listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Creative Pep Talk helps you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You you can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump in to today's episode. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. Two quick announcements here. Number one, go get your tickets to the Creative Works Conference in Memphis this October. Go to creativeworks.co. You can go get some tickets for the conference. I'm going to be there. Some past MFBA folks are going to be there. A bunch of my friends are going to be there. I can't wait. I love going there every year, and the tickets usually do sell out, so go get them before they're all gone. Also, I just want to do a big shout out to Creative Circle. We did a live creative chat last week uh, uh, on Twitter and I answered a bunch of questions and we had a good old time. It was really great. Um, Go check out creative underscore circle at creative underscore circle on Twitter so that you can uh, chime in to the next one uh, next month. All right, guys, here is the episode. I want to suppose that there are basically two different ways going up to your dreams. There's the selfish elevator, and it's strong and fast when it works. And there's the escalator of meaning, and it's slower and some takes sometimes takes a little bit of effort. And here's what I mean. I mean, the selfish elevator is when you build your dreams on ego and glorifying yourself and and doing what you want to do all the time and always having fun and making tons of money so that you can live the live it up right that's the selfish elevator the mean the the escalator of meaning is where you have this some part of your your passion is fueled by altruistic motives, motives where it's about more than just yourself, when it's about making the world a better place. And I think that these are kind of the two options for getting to your dreams. And I think there's a secret And it's this, that the meaningful escalator isn't just a better option because it's better for the world. It's also a more powerful way and more surefire fuel 
for achieving what you want to achieve. And if you can tap into it, you're going to tap into a well of energy that is unlike anything other that you can tap into. It is your secret weapon, so to speak. Because when things start getting rough in your personal life, when you start hitting a brick wall and you've tried and tried and tried and you can't get that breakthrough and you want to quit, or even when things hit the fan in culture, in the world, when things get dicey as they have over the past couple years, guess what? When that power goes out and things get rough, in the words of the late great comedian Mitch Hedberg, the escalator just becomes stairs. Now the elevator, that selfish elevator, when things get dicey, you get stuck where you are because you've got no other options. But when things get dicey and you're using the, <laughs> the escalator of meaning, it just becomes stairs. Just requires a little bit of elbow grease and determination and you're on your way to fulfilling your dreams and actually... From personal experience, I'll tell you this, it's probably even more hardcore than that. Here's what I mean. There's an episode of Seinfeld where somehow Kramer gets stuck in this situation where he's betting on horses. I don't remember exactly what went down, uh, but at, in some way he's at this uh uh, this place where you bet on horses. I don't know what they're called. I don't really, I'm not a betting person, I'm not morally against it, but I just, it's not something that interests me since you're so interested about how I feel about betting. Uh, but, but so Kramer is in this place where he's betting on horses. He hears an insider tip that the track is going to be sloppy with mud because it's been pouring rain. And there's this horse that is, highly, uh, not highly favored to win. He's got like all the odds are against him, but nobody knows that this horse is a mutter and his mother was a mutter and his father was a mutter. He loves the slop. He eats the slop. And, uh, Kramer gets this insider tip and bets on the horse and wins tons of money. And here's the thing about that meaning in your pursuit. If you can tap into meaning in your creative journey, you will become a mutter. And when those circumstances get dicey, that's when you're going to shine more than any other time. You're like the QB. That's what people call the quarterback in football. I'm a real football expert. I know what a QB is. That's the end of my expertise. But I've heard about these quarterbacks that there are certain quarterbacks that you know that when it's snowing or muddy or raining and the conditions are crazy, that's when they shine. And if you can tap into a meaningful pursuit, a deeper purpose in your creative path, you, my friend, will be a creative mutter. And that is what this episode is all about. I'm going to encourage you to see that I, to, I'm going to encourage you with this idea. I think that creativity is inherently meaningful. I think it's deeply tied into what it means to be human. Uh, I, I think that 
You can make decisions to push your creative work to be more and more meaningful and that you should and that it will be uh, a secret weapon in your utility belt. And I think at the very worst, my most cynical view of creativity is that at the very least, it's an incredibly powerful tool. And if you can master some creativity in your life, then you will have the potential in the future to unleash meaning if you so choose. So at the very least, creativity, if you can master some form of it, makes you dangerous. And uh, I'm really excited about going to Creative Works this, this uh, fall. There's some tickets still left to be sold and the theme is called Creatives Are Dangerous. And uh, for me, this episode explains what that means to me. Um, So here we go. Meaning and see the meaning of pursuing this creative path is the most selfish one that we're going to discuss and it's selfish but in with a selfless kind of uh edge to it if you think about it through the lens of you know when you're on a plane and you're not really listening but you've heard it all before where this the the i don't even know the flight attendant is telling you all the rules and what to do in case of emergency and one of the things that they say is that idea of when if there's an accident and the oxygen masks come down that you should put your oxygen mask on before you try to help anybody else because if you're out of commission and you're not getting oxygen you're not going to be someone out there helping anybody else and i think the most selfish but still very meaningful uh fuel for your creative path is this idea that If you are a thriving individual doing what you love, doing what you feel uh, gives you energy and fills you up to the brim, if you do that work, if you spend time in that energy in your life, you're going to be this life-giving entity. And so although there's a part of it that's selfish because you're thinking about how do I fulfill my needs, how do I do what I love, how do I become excited about my life, Yes, that is, there's an element of that that's selfish, but it's also selfless because you're eliminating another possible toxic person from the world and you're becoming a life-giving person that's full of positive energy. And I don't mean that in like a positivity way. I just mean it in you are out there constructing beauty in others instead of acting as a leech. And uh, I, I once heard my buddy Andrew Nyer do a talk. Uh, it was actually, I keep dropping this, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it was actually last year at Creative Works and he was talking about Um, this idea that you need to be connected to other people and other things and otherwise you become like this stagnant pool that has no uh, connection to any other bodies of water and that stagnant pool that can't 
blow out what's going on inside of it festers and becomes putrid and becomes toxic. And I think as people, when we repress our interests and our passions, that it festers inside us and we become cynical and jaded and we start being a deconstructive force in the universe. And so pursuing this passion, pursuing this thing that lights you up and gives you life is going to enable you to have the ability to give life to others and you owe it to other people to be fulfilled yourself. And for me personally, this is one of the most important points of this talk because it's so deeply tied into my own experience. Sometimes I think about why I stayed on the path longer than some of the people around me? Why did I push so much harder to make a career out of creativity? Uh, what, what was the secret sauce of that? Because it wasn't talent. It was other things for sure. And one of them was this crazy drive to make it happen, whatever the cost. And I think what was behind that? Because it was, I do love creativity. That was definitely a part of it, but it wasn't the, the deepest part of it. And uh, I am selfish and egotistical. And there's definitely a part of me that wants to be celebrated, just like, probably just like you. But I know that that's, not the thing that has sustained me to this place. And at the end of the day, I think what it was, was watching my mom, who has so many of the same talents and skills, struggle so hard to be a thriving citizen that enables other people to thrive uh, with the skills that she had. Sometimes I feel like um, this is like, really uh, f funny, I think, but also completely true in my heart. And it's been something that I've actually deeply struggled with is like sometimes I felt, I think early on in my uh, career or early on in my life, I feel like it was like there was a a, uh, a a plane wreck and we got deserted on this island and uh, everybody, you know, came to the island with like a few effects. Like some people had like a stove, like a little wood burning stove thing or like, uh, I don't know, that seems like too large to be stranded with. Some kind of cooking thing, some kind of thing to light fires. Some people had like this rain barrel. They had all these like basic things that can contribute to society in these obvious ways. And I was, and I landed with like a, a, a pack of paints and a paint palette. And, uh, and that's what I felt like in school. Like so many people around me had these like clear talents and skills that were going to contribute to society in this obvious way. And therefore they were going to be able to earn a decent living, provide for kids and, uh, and, and be a great husband and a great dad. And I just looked at what I had in my pack and I knew all I really had, like I could do the basic lowest level basic contributions like clean up something. Like I could do that. I could clean up something. Um, but as soon as it went into like more technical stuff, my ability to contribute was going to be, was going to so far pale in comparison to just a normal person that I was going to really struggle to contribute and thrive as a person. And as I'd watched people in my life with similar skills, 
skills fail to thrive and look at all of the terrible places that they went and they took others, I know when I was a teenager, I thought, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be a different kind of parent. I'm going to figure out how to take this weird batch of DNA that I've gotten, this weird unorthodox skill and figure out some way of providing some crazy value to the universe so that I can thrive as a person and help those that I'm in charge of or uh, in relationship with or around to thrive too. And actually, I'm getting a little bit emotional about it because this is a legitimate thing that's been a theme of my life since I was a teenager of how the heck am I going to thrive with the stuff that's in my pack? And so for me and for you, if you're a creative person and that's what you've got in your pack too, I'm encouraging you to tap into that thing that says you want to thrive at the top level of potential that you can. You want to live a life that is so full of energy, so full of life-giving energy that you become this beacon of hope and power and resource for everyone that's around you. And if you've got some creativity in your pack, you owe it to them to fulfill your highest potential. And uh, that's my first point. The second thing I want to speak to is just kind of a personal conviction of mine. And number two is this idea that creativity is inherently holy work. And I don't care whether you're a humanistic atheist or, you know, uh, a hardcore spiritual religious person. I don't care how you view it, but whichever part of the spectrum you find yourself on, I think that there's this uh, thing that so many of us are shooting for and it's what does it mean to be fully human and, and to and to live into the best side of that and to me that's what I call holy work and to me there's nothing more holy than partaking in this universe's unfolding and construction and evolution. However you possibly cut that in your own personal views is totally irrelevant. What is a fact is that this universe is becoming something. It is in a state of becoming. And uh, it is a glorious endeavor to be a part of that collaboration. And I think for me personally, that is what it means to be human. If you think about uh, however you may think about God, whether you think about it like Albert Einstein, who saw it as an impersonal force, uh, you know, an, an atheist, meaning that God is not a personal being. It's, it doesn't have a personality, but he kind of viewed it as uh, this set of forces, these laws that were in place that were perpetuating the, everything in the universe, or whether you see him as a, a theist, as someone who sees a, a personality behind the order of all things, whatever you want to say, that thing is a creator. Maybe first and foremost, it's the defining characteristic, and when you see step in and partake in that energy, you are never more like that pure 
consciousness that's pulsing through the universe. And when I have owned that and I've said, when I step into that energy, I am at my best. I am at my most human. Not to mention that uh, your brain is one of the most powerful, complex things that exists in the known universe. And so when you are, and I think creativity is maybe the highest form of active engagement and use of that supercomputer. And I think so many of us stuck in the little factory-minded world where you're just pushing the button on the assembly line over and over and over again, we are like this supercomputer, this supercomputer like an iPhone, but the only app we're running is the calculator app. And, uh, we, and pretty soon the thing is, calculators are gonna be all over the place. And if you're an iPhone that just runs the calculator app, you're gonna get scrapped because you, and I don't mean to scare you, I just mean that I'm trying to call you into higher things because you have this infinite capacity. Nothing lights me up like unlocking that in somebody else, showing somebody you may not realize that you have a supercomputer, a, biolo- a biological supercomputer hidden inside of your body that's one of the most powerful forces in the known universe. And if you can start figuring out how to use that to, you, to its full potential, you're going to be able to do things that you never imagined possible. It's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur like, and being a creative is the more that you realize that you have this incredible power to act this free will and make things into existence, it becomes, first of all, it's amazing and liberating when you're like, hey, I could start this business and if I'm strategic enough, if I'm creative enough, if I, if I put in the hours and the time and I do the deep work, this thing is going to start having a life of its own and mold and change the environment that we live in and that other people come into contact with. Once you start tapping into that part of your true potential, it is life-changing. And in in the book, The Alchemist, uh, the author calls the, uh, the myth on the other side of that, the greatest lie ever told. The greatest lie ever told is that you are a robot set to a particular fate in which you have no say in and all that's going to happen for the end of time is for you to just step into the next required step for your instructions. And the flip side of that is that you are a free being with real autonomy and free will and creative potential. And when you start digging into that, oh my gosh, and I'll tell you what, it's kind of scary. I feel like now, I feel like that's such a big part of my existence. I have to kind of temper it. I have to realize like, it's scary once you realize like every hour I pour into this, every uh, ounce of strategy and, and, and momentum and effort that I uh, enact turns into real stuff, like that gets addicting in its own right and you have to figure out 
look, man, there's a point where you need to take a break from making stuff happen and, and, and give it a second because it's so thrilling. But I feel like you walk around and see so many people. Most, of, most people, I think, are so unaware of their own creative potential, that own, their own holy work that they could give themselves over to. And uh, it just makes me so sad. It's one of the deepest reasons that I do the podcast is just seeing that flip inside of me, that thing that happened early on where I started suspecting maybe I could go out there and make stuff happen. And then you, it takes so long because you got to fight so much doubt because the doubt keeps you from making an effort. But if you can somehow go out there, that's what I love about Kate Bingham and Burt. She does uh, these, this zine workshop where she goes and, and, and puts you in a room and you come out of the room with your own little miniature zine, your own little magazine that you made from scratch in a few hours. And, that is, and that's what I love about punk music. It's like learn these two chords and then you can write a hit song. And you can create, you can breathe something into existence that was not there before you did that. And I think that that's the power of that uh, fantastic workshop that Kate does is it unlocks this, it's this paradigm shift in your mind that says, I can make this world different through my creative potential. And it's one of the most powerful and amazing drugs that, that, that has ever come uh, into existence. And uh, I'm so for it. And not only that, I think, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about violence or nonviolence as a way of changing the world. I think there's a third way. You know, I'm, I'm crazy about this idea that, uh, you know, this idea of dualism that says everything's black and white. It's either this or that. It's either violence or nonviolence. I think there's a third way that's uh, not just violent and not just not violent, but creative. And I don't know if I've ever heard anybody else talk about this, but this is blowing my mind lately. And it's the reason I'm so obsessed with the idea of the pencil sword. You're going to see that at the, on the cover of this podcast, there's a pencil sword. And it's not because this podcast is about illustration. It's not about illustration. It's about all forms of creativity. And it's about the, 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 the holiness of creativity because creativity to me is the ultimate opposite of violence. Nonviolence is the absence of violence absence of violence. Creativity is the opposing force of violence. Violence is defined by a forceful act to deconstruct, whereas creativity is defined by a forceful act to construct. If violence is there to break down this world, creativity is there to build it up and to imagine a new part of this world. And, uh, in these moments where there's so much talk of violence and, and so much actual violence, uh, I'm reminded of this idea that uh, love, uh, and if you don't like that gushy word, relationship is the cornerstone of every created thing in this universe. You know, and I've talked about this on the relationships episode recently, uh, this idea that everything that's in existence is just made up of smaller things in relationship to each other. And those things are made up of smaller things in relationship to each other, giving over part of themselves to something else to become something greater, 
right? I'm talking about atoms. I'm talking about subatomic particles making atoms, making molecules, making you and me, right? And everything else in existence. And uh, <laughs> I'm going way off, but I'm so passionate about this idea and, and this idea of like when you're putting these molecules together and you're making this creative act, when you're putting pencil molecules to paper molecules and you're enacting new things into existence, that is the most holy, nonviolent thing that you could do. And I recently made a piece of work about this and was talking about how when you're splitting, taking away, cleaving things from existence in violence, you're doing the opposite of creativity and you're working against the natural order of all things, which was to relate to each other and breathe new things and bigger things into the universe. And I said that even uh, in, in, in this post recently, I said that even the nuclear bomb and, uh, and nuclear reactions are the ultimate cleaving of ultimate reality, taking an atom and splitting it and breaking that relationship. And the man, I, th I believe it's the man who created the atom bomb said that that trinity of the proton, neutron, and electron is like the, the, the trinity of the divine. And when you split it, you are killing the nature of what it means to be human. You're killing the divine when you make that split. And, and uh, I think we can all agree that the kind of devastation and destruction that that can bring is the opposite of creative energy. It's the opposite of holy work. It's the opposite of humanity. And uh, <laughs> I definitely don't mean for this to be political. I just mean it to inspire your humanity and your potential to do the opposite of that with creativity. And uh, the third and last point that I want to make about embracing the meaningful uh, side to this path is I'm going to steal it straight up from the tagline of Creative Works uh, Conference, and it's that creatives are dangerous and creativity is dangerous. And that at the very least, if, if, even if you don't buy into the fact that creativity has some innate holiness, at least you're going to buy into this, that it is undoubtedly a powerful tool that is in itself neutral, but gives the person who wields it tons of power for good or for bad. Uh, but at the very least, you can agree it is a powerful tool that you can spend time and a lifetime investing in so that you can master it and you yourself can be a powerful contributor to this universe. And often I feel like when people aren't willing to jump into the deep waters of creativity, to jump into mastering a craft, whatever that might be, screenwriting, comedy, illustration, music, whatever it is, when they're, when they're 
keeping their own doubts about the worthiness or whether creativity is really worthwhile giving yourself to, whether there's too many things going on in the world to really care about getting good at a craft. I always say you're acting like learning to swim is all about goofing off at a hotel pool. Like I'm not going to spend all the time and energy to learn how to swim because I don't, it's meaningless to, you know, go down to the, to the holiday Inn pool on the random occasion that you're a ho at a hotel and have some fun and be goofy or whatever. Right? Like that's not why you learn to swim. That's not why you spend your 10,000 hours to be a powerful, potent, dangerous, creative so that you can glorify yourself at best and at worst have a little bit of fun that is completely meaningless, which even that you could argue is meaningful. Um, but that's not why you learn creativity. You give yourself over to mastering one of these creative skills so that you are potent because stories change the narrative of society. It is a fact undoubtedly that stories have more power to persuade and to impact the world more than facts. And so your ability to tell better stories directly changes whether you are going to have influence for good in this universe. And the people that tell the most compelling, moving stories are the ones that impact how culture evolves. Not to mention, what about laughter? What if even the, you know, something that could arguably be called the most meaningless of creative endeavors is just making someone laugh, giving somebody a moment of laughter. Do you know how much science is behind the power of laughter in our lives and what it does for somebody, especially somebody who's in a dark place? I think about even just the power of podcasting, right? Like in my worst times, this I've told this story a few times on the podcast, in my worst times, Several months ago, we did the creative pep rally. The day of the pep rally was one of the de best days of my life. The days before and after, I have never been more depleted. In order to put that event on, required so many things outside of my skill set. And not that many things, but just things that are so far outside of my skill set that I was so depleted of that creative energy. I was so depleted of that life force. I have never been more burnt out. I remember actively thinking, I don't remember why I went on this path at all. I can't remember liking making things. I can't, re I can't remember why I cared about the podcast or, uh, or art or any of this crap. And I just want to pack it in. I'm done. I'm sick of this. There's got to be an easier way to make a living. And uh, the thing that turned it around for me was a random episode of You've Got It Weird with Pete Holmes, where he's just a comedian talking to other comedians. And yeah, they sometimes talk about deep stuff. It wasn't even the deep stuff. What turned it around was just a random interview where he started diving into the craft of making a TV, uh, making a TV show. And I love just listening to that deep work, that deep level of craft, those deep guidelines that, that guided him and in, then in, in the, the variables and the randomness and the creativity that was putting through that matrix and trying to find your way through this like complex code of math and logic uh, and, and magic that creativity is. And that episode made me ball my eyes out 
on the bike path at five in the morning because I remembered what I loved. And so this thing, he probably doesn't even know that he pulled me out of what was a kind of alarming level of apathy about my life at that moment. And that just that telling of the story and that ability to, you know, the mastering of telling stories on a podcast and interviewing comedians was deeply meaningful to me. And when you master some creative art, no matter what it is, you can't imagine how handy that's going to come in the future for other people who are ingesting your creativity. You don't learn to swim because you want to goof off one day a year at a Holiday Inn. You learn to swim because you might go to the Olympics in the most selfish way and you inspire millions of people and you also get gold medals. That's selfish. Great. But you also might need that superpower to save yourself from drowning or even worse, pull someone else out. Save your kid. Save the people around you from drowning. And I know that some people are averse to this kind of epic talk, this kind of speak, but do you know how many movies have changed the course of history, like culturally, or at least added a grain to the camel's back uh, that, that broke down narratives of oppression? That what do you, Culture doesn't change overnight. And the narratives we tell ourselves, it, it requires so much good storytelling, so much creativity. And that's just one example. And so you don't learn to swim to have a good time one day a year. You learn to swim in the deep waters of creativity because you want to maximize your potential and your ability to be dangerous so that when the time is right, one, you know, it's easy to stop before you became powerful, before you went on the journey, before you refined these things, before you went through the 80s montage and worked out really hard and became dangerous. It's easy before you go on that path to sit back in your chair and be like, creativity is meaningless anyways. That's easy. Great. You've stopped yourself, self-sabotage before you even got on the path. But what about just getting on the path because you think, guess what? This is going to come in handy. And when I have some statement to make, when I have some cause to champion, I'm going to use the power of my dangerous creativity to bring it up a notch and to contribute in meaningful ways to society, even if it's just a laugh and a reprieve on someone's bad day, or if it's to spread a message in a powerful way that plain speak and facts cannot accomplish. Do you know how many protest signs, how many, uh, do you know how, I don't know the facts because I didn't look it up and I forgot, I didn't know I was going to say this. Do you know the science of, even online, how much more powerful and a uh, uh, gorgeous or provocative images than a little body of text. It is like thousands and thousands. I can't remember the number, but it is staggering how much more powerful a provocative image is than a simple bit of plain speak. And you don't know when you're going to need that skill of swimming in the deep waters, but you better set off on the journey now. So by the time you're in front of the dragon, you've been on the journey and you've been well prepared to slay it.
So you don't know how many people I've talked to who, you know, are stuck at a random corporate job or doing some thing that feels menial and, and, and whatever, and they're stuck in this bad place in their life and they're not doing what they love. They're not passionate and enthusiastic about their existence. And the, this, this creativity that they are enthusiastic about, they self-sabotage before they get on the path because they think that creativity is ultimately selfish, egotistical, self-glorifying, uh, at worst, just completely, uh, or at the very least, completely meaningless. And, uh, you know, they don't want to create prints, uh, you know, posters or whatever and contribute to global warming or all that kind of jazz. And I always just stop and say, like, what kind of powerful, meaningful work are you doing right now at that dead end job? Like how much paperwork and paper are you contributing to the, you know, the, the waste of our natural resources in that job? And then beyond that, that entity that you work for, how much altruistic, powerful, meaningful work is it contributing to society? Because I'm guessing a lot of people that are stuck in those places are stuck in, in organizations that are doing a lot more harm than good. And yet, you don't get on the path because you're afraid that the creativity that you're going to contribute is just too meaningless. And so I want to encourage you guys real quick um, in the same way that I'm going to encourage myself. Because sometimes, you know, when I'm juggling a lot of things and uh, I've had a hard week, this week has been incredibly hard. I've just been hammering it. I hammered it like crazy to go on vacation for a week uh, the week before, and then I hammered it after this week has just been, you know, just crazy. And, you know, I'm pouring out as much of me as I can for my family and for my work. And uh, it's so easy to just think, what? is the point. And uh, I get it. I totally get it. But this is my encouragement to you. And it's something that Meg Lewis talked about in the last episode uh, when she's talking about finding her purpose to make the world a happier place. And she just talked about how it doesn't have to be a massive thing. And that's my encouragement to you. Humble yourself before your creative purpose. That humility that says, oh, this little plot of land that I'm working on that's mine, that my ability to contribute creatively to the universe is such a small deal that, it's, that it's, I'm not even going to give it any time and energy, that feels like humility. It feels like you're being self-deprecating and saying, oh, my little contribution uh, is, isn't worth even tilling uh, or tending to when actually that humility is masking pride that says this contribution that you're going to make isn't big enough for you to take it seriously. And I keep thinking about how Pete Holmes, you know, he might think sometimes this podcast is so dumb. Why do I even contribute? Why do I even give it time? That pulled me out of an abyss and it made me ball my eyes out because the color came back to life when I heard him speaking passionately about the challenges he was facing creatively. And when I hear uh, the local ice cream shop is called Jenny's and they claim to make the, the best ice cream in the world, and it's true, it's, it is the best ice cream I've ever tasted, I guarantee you somewhere early on the path, 
Jenny was asking herself, is great ice cream the best ice cream in the world? Does that really even matter? Is that even significant enough to give my life to? Like, why does that even matter? But from the outside, we realize that that's masking pride that says you deserve to contribute something even more massive than the best ice cream of all time. No, humble yourself before that little plot of land and think about it this way. If we would all humble ourselves before our unique purposes, can you imagine what kind of meaningful ecosystem the universe would be? how our humanity would come together with all of our individual tiny chosen one journeys, these purposes to just be the best illustrator that you could possibly be in your field, to be the best, most inspiring, powerful, uh, contributing radio DJ. Can you imagine if everybody saw their plot of land with that kind of uh, holy work attitude? And you imagine if we all did that, how epic the contribution would be. And I think it's because we deny our plot of land and we deny the journey that we go on because it's so insignificant that so many purposes and so much meaning is lost. And we're all in the wrong plots of land getting in fights with other people over trying to do their journey and do their meaning uh, and looking over into the neighbor's yard. I wanted desperately to take this analogy off the rails and get weird with it and talk about all looking over the fence at your neighbor's new trampoline while you're trampoline. <laughs> I'm going super random. I really literally mean nothing by all that. Uh, but if you'll just humble yourself from your little contribution, I think over a lifetime, that mastery and contribution will add up to be something incredible and you'll be glad that you sought it out. And just a little bit of encouragement because sometimes I obviously am uh, prone to get very epic and sometimes that can make everybody feel, including myself, uh, extremely overwhelmed with the path ahead and the task at hand. And I just want to give you this thing that I think is a deep universal truth and that you have essentially on this creative path, you only have one job. And if you do this job to the best of your ability, I believe that, that things will conspire to help you get there. And this is it. Your job is to seek it. If you seek the meaning you will find it. If you seek, as long as you're seeking, it will work. And I get a lot of people asking me, how do I know that I'm on the right path? And there's only one clarifying point to be made. And it's this, are you seeking it? If you are seeking it, you are doing the work. If you're listening to this podcast, trying to find little bits, just any little bit of information that's going to help you find what it is you're seeking next, you're on the path. The only thing I think you have to be worried about is if you're not actively seeking and uh, you wouldn't be stuck around for the end of this monologue if you weren't. And so congratulations you're on the path. Kudos to you.
close it down. Let's close it up. Closing up shop. This is... Uh, <laughs> that's the end of the episode is what I'm trying to say. I almost went into an improv pretend... Uh, thing where I was going to pretend like I was quitting Creative Pep Talk just to be weird. <laughs> That's not true. Man, I hope I get to do Creative Pep Talk podcast for the rest of my life. It gives me so much energy. I love it. And I love you guys. I love you guys. Guys. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Seriously. Um, I I love this. It's so fun to do this. So thank you for letting me do this. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. I hope this episode really got into your veins because I clearly am deeply passionate about this topic. And uh, I hope it pumped you up, pepped you up, pepped your step all the way to the moon and back. Uh, and even further than that. Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for uh, our theme music. Can I just tell you something real quick? I've said this before, but you might not know this. I got into illustration and design to do band posters for bands that I love. The band Y was my favorite band in college. When I found them, it blew my freaking mind. I listened to their available albums over and over and over. I knew every lyric. Me and my friends, my crew, we all had kind of come from hip-hop roots and taste in our teenage years. And then in college, we're like into indie music. This was the perfect marriage of those things, and it blew us away. And so I just want to say thanks to Yoni. Um, It's been amazing to make posters with him for his band that you know, I feel like my artwork was meant to make posters for their band. Uh, and it's just been literally a dream come true. And uh, and having them have my theme, having theme music from them for my podcast is just icing on the freaking cake. And I thank, uh, I thank God every week. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm so, dude, it just, it, I'm not kidding. I, I am so grateful for this situation. And uh, it's just, it gives me, it warms my heart when I hear that intro. So thank you, Yoni. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't be more grateful if I tried. Uh, and also, <laughs> I know I feel like all the other thank yous are going to pale in comparison to that. But I am genuinely thankful to Nate Utesh. He makes this podcast sound so super fresh, almost like it's coming out of the future from his band, Metavari. You can hear their stuff at uh, soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Really good, like, instrumental, designy, illustration-y work music. Um, if you want to get in deeply into the groove, go check that out. Nate Utesh, Metavari, good stuff. Uh, thanks to Alex Sugg for editing the podcast. He does a phenomenal job. Thank you so much for doing that. Thanks to all of you for guys for listening every week and just being the best people of all time. And, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I super, super appreciate it. You know, my, my I see a large part of my purpose and definitely the central purpose of the podcast is just to basically inject you with pep at the end of or at the beginning of your week to where it fuels you to be more productive that week towards towards your path, uh, towards where you're trying to go, your creative destiny. That's why I do it because I think about how, for me, if I can just find a few nuggets of, of perspective or paradigm shift or uh, hope in my week, then I am so much more productive that week. And so every week I try to bring you that. Um, and so until next week, stay pepped up.